Amen. Let's look in Isaiah chapter 43. It's a beautiful song. It was right along my message, God's Watch Care. Uh, of Isaiah chapter 43. We're going to begin reading in uh, verse 1. Read verses 1 through 5. And then we'll take verse 2 as our text verse to be able to study together. God's Watch Care. Isaiah 43 in verse 1. <clears throat> but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob... And he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And though through the rivers, thou, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior, I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba uh, for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to be together tonight and uh, we're just thankful for the many ways that we are comforted of the Word of God. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us in a special way as we study the Word together tonight and uh, comprehending and reaffirming in our hearts, Lord, God's watch care over us. And uh, Lord, we're thankful no matter what the trends may be in time and history and uh, through uh, our society around us, Lord, that we know that you're still on the throne uh, you're still in control of all things. You're the all-powerful God, the almighty God. And, Lord, we rest, we put our hope completely in you. And so I prayed you'd speak to us in a special way tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse 2 is our text verse. It says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. God's watch care. This chap, in this chapter, the goodness of God is mentioned 24 times, just in Isaiah chapter 43. Uh, Israel was a nation that was chosen by God, and God would not and will not turn his back on his people, Israel. And that's why it's so important for even in the days in which we live to identify and connect with the reality that God had promised the nations that would bless Israel, he would bless, and the nations that would curse Israel, he would curse uh, because of the fact that God had chosen them for his glory. Isaiah, the prophet, is reminding Israel of the goodness of God. And sometimes we just need to remind ourselves of the goodness of God. Israel certainly knew what it was to suffer greatly. And uh, whether, whether you're looking at their history during the time in Egypt or whether you're looking at the time in Canaan possessing the land and going through the times of the judges and the sufferings that they would go through, or you would just look through history itself and consider the many ways that Israel has suffered and God wanted them to remember that he, his goodness was sufficient to be able to stabilize them and help him, them. He is encouraging them of God's faithfulness. Isaiah is challenging them about God's greatness. 
And certainly he is revealing to Israel God's goodness. And tonight we can be assured of the fact that our God is faithful and he is great and our God is good and he is worthy of all our praise and all of our worship tonight. It's a wonderful thing to have the word of God before us and to be able to apply the truths and the promises uh, that are recorded in the scriptures to us as Christians and believers in the New Testament church. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the, uh, through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. And so God's watch care. First of all, I see God's watch care uh, in reference to the problems that are before us. Notice he says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. God's watch care in reference to the problems that are before us. Notice in the verse, he does not say, if you go through the waters. He said, when you go through the waters. And the reality is, either you're in a trial right now, or you just got out of a trial, or get ready tomorrow, you're going into one. Amen. And every one of us go through difficulties and trials in our lives. But the key to facing every difficulty and problem in life is the reality that God has promised to be with us and to care for us through that particular trial or difficulty that we're having to overcome and defeat. And so the problem is before us. You know, the Apostle Paul experienced this in reference to facing problems. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul gives a, a resume, if you will, of the issues that he had to deal with as an apostle of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in uh, verse 23 and following, he states this, he says, and they are ministers, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. He says, I am more in labors more abundant in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and night nakedness, and besides those things that were without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. You talk about a man that experienced problems before him. The Apostle Paul certainly was one who understood what it was to suffer for Christ. 
he certainly understood what it was to be able to face trials and difficulties in his life and yet know that God's watch care was there for him, that God would oversee and God would uh, deal with him and help him through every trial and every difficulty that he would go through. Certainly Paul had experienced this matter of suffering and, and persecution before he was saved. He would be the one that would threaten Christians. He would be the one that would throw them in jail. He would be the one who would stand and consent to the stoning of Stephen and watch Christians die for their faith. And so Paul was the persecutor, but after he got saved, he himself personally uh, experienced all this type of suffering in his life, but his God never, ever abandoned him and was there to help him. That encourages me because of the fact that if God was with Paul through all those things, oftentimes I think I'm suffering, and I, want, and I look at those things, I say, well, wait a minute, I haven't experienced all that, so I, I don't guess I have anything to gripe and complain about. But unless we do go through difficulties in life, and there are trials that we have to overcome, but the promise from God is that when, when you go through, when you pass through the waters, don't worry, he's not going to let the waters overflood you or destroy it. So we can experience, as the Apostle Paul did, this great suffering. You know, Paul would explain this suffering and these difficulties that he would go through and what the Christian would go through. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is where the Apostle Paul would give a great explanation about the Christian life in 2 Corinthians 4 in verse 8, not in verse 8 and 9. He says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. And uh, yes, it seems like the world closes in on us. Seems like sometimes that uh, everything is falling apart and there's nowhere to turn. But wait a minute, in Christ Jesus, we may be troubled on every side, but we're not distressed. We're not coming to the end of our rope, so to speak. And I heard one old preacher years ago say, when you get to the end of your rope, just tie a knot and hang on. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like that's what you got to do. Just tie the knot and hang on. Paul's reminding us and teaching us that, wait a minute, when you are surrounded and trouble seems to be on every side, you're still not distressed. God will see you through the problem. Then he goes on and says, we're perplexed, but not in despair. I'll tell you, those trials and difficulties we go through, and we want an explanation, but nobody can explain why you're going through the trial. It's perplexing. It's confusing. But wait a minute. It is God who gives us sense, a sense of reason and a sense of understanding that he is still with us, and he is still uh, on the throne, and he is still in control. And so when I am confused about the difficulties and the floods that are overrunning me, I do not fall into a pit of despair because I trust that God is the one who's going to get me through. Amen. Notice also he goes in and he says in verse 9, we're persecuted but not forsaken. The Apostle Paul was left for dead. The Apostle Paul was beaten. He was in prison. But he understood that literally that Jesus Christ was the one who was with him and though that we might be persecuted, we are not forsaken of God. Uh, recent days, I've been reading a lot on persecution of Christians around the world. And 
things that believers are suffering. And I'll tell you, you can look at it and say, man, they just seem like they're forsaken of God. But God strengthens them and God gives them grace that we don't even understand or, or know about. Because when you go through the problem, when you go through the difficulty, God's grace is always sufficient and you can be persecuted, but you're not forsaken of God. He says you're cast down, but not destroyed. I always, whenever I read a verse like that, I just always think of the old Dr. Sanafa point. Uh, when his life was threatened, he just simply uh, addressed his accusers and his, those that were threatening his life and said, you kill me, I win. Uh, how, how can a Christian lose? A Christian cannot lose. And so he acknowledges the fact that he was a cast down, but his life was not destroyed. And then in, in verse 16 through 18 of that same chapter of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day, realizing that Christ is the one who gets us through the waters that are overflooding us. And yes, on the outward, it may seem like we're perishing, but wait a minute, you could be renewed with strength inside every day. The new man that's been born again and created in the likeness of Christ is the one that strengthens us and enables us to go through the trials and difficulties in life. In verse 17, Paul says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more excellent and exceeding weight of glory. Why, he says, while we look not at the things that are seen. Watch out, the waves get high. The storms rage. And I tell you, the problems are overwhelming. We don't look at the things which are, not, which are seen. He says, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul understood that he needed to look towards Christ when the problems came and they will come and they come abundantly and rapidly and devastatingly in our life. But wait a minute, there is one who cares for you and that's our God in heaven and he'll give you what you need to get through the problem. He said, when the waters come, uh, they will not overflood you. And so the apostle Paul experienced this great problems in life. He explained these problems in life and then he taught about these problems in life. In 2 Timothy, in chapter 3, verse 10, Paul helps us to understand about trials, difficulties, and overcoming those things. He said, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. And he's teaching young Timothy. He's going to suffer. He's going to have to face apostasy. He's going to have to overcome difficulties in life. But wait a minute, I've been through all these things, but yet the Lord delivered me out of them all. Then in verse 12 he says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. 
And so he's teaching young Timothy, when the problems come, then the problems will be before you. Real, remember who it is you serve. Remember who it is you trust. Remember who it is that saved you. And remember that he has promised that he'll be with you when you face the problems in life. Because there will be problems you'll have to face and deal with. And so I see God's watch care when we, pro when we face the problems that are before us. I see God's watch care in our verse, text verse in Isaiah 43, of his presence with us. Notice in verse, 40, uh, verse 2, it says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers. And here it is, They shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. And so the presence of God, he says, I will be with thee. I don't think there's a greater promise in the scriptures than understanding that God has promised that he would be with us. You know, Moses would go down and have to stand before Pharaoh to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 14, Moses understood and he knew that he needed the presence of God. And folks, we need the presence of God. I don't know how people live their life apart from the reality that God is with them. In Exodus 33, in verse, uh, what verse I want? Verse 14 says, And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us, up, not, uh, carry us not up hence. And Moses just was speaking to the Lord in reference to his grace and his working in his life. And God said that his presence would go with him. And Moses' response was this. If you're not going with me, I don't want to go. If you're not going to be there in my presence, then don't even take me any farther. I've gone far enough. And uh, when we talk about God's watch care, it is in reference to his presence with us. He is always with us. He never abandons us. And when you feel that you're all alone and you feel that there is nowhere to turn and you feel like there is no way out, realize this, that God is still with you. And he wanted Israel to understand that he did not abandon them, but yet he was still with them. And so Moses knew that he needed God's presence. All the times people just act like they don't need God at all. And I don't understand how they could live without the presence of God. The thing that keeps me going, the thing that assures me that everything's going to be okay is the reality that God has not left me. He is with me. His presence is ever with me. So Moses knew that he needed God's presence. You know, the psalmist, in the Psalms, the psalmist knew that it was God's presence that brought joy. In Psalm 16, I'll be looking at several Psalms uh, some, on a couple of points here. But in Psalm 16, in verse 11, says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And uh, there, there's something strange that's going on in Christianity uh, in, in reference to the fact that people say that they're saved, but they have no desire. It doesn't seem like they have any drive to acknowledge the presence of God and live in reality of the presence of the Lord in their life. And the psalmist understood the, uh, the fullness of joy that they would experience was based on the fact that God was with them. 
And there, there is joy unspeakable and full of glory in, when the Lord is ever present with us. And so the psalmist knew that God's presence would bring him joy. David experienced the loneliness of being without God's presence. That's why in Psalm 51, it's a great penitential psalm that David writes in, in repenting of his sin with Bathsheba. But he tells us in Psalm 51 in verse 11, he says, so, um, uh, Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And just the thought, David, just the thought in David's heart that God's presence would be removed from him, it just it bore into him a sense of loneliness and he longed for God's presence to be ever with him. And so I'll be with thee. I don't think there's a greater promise than God saying, I will be with you. And then the Christian is assured of God's presence. Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so the way we go through trials and the way we overcome difficulties in life is based on the reality that God has promised to be with us. And what a great truth that when you face the problems in life, the Lord is with you. You are not alone. And so we live based on the presence of God. But then in our verse, we live based on the protection of God. He said, in reference to the waters and in reference to the rivers, he said, not only will I be with thee, but he said this, they shall not overflow thee. And uh, God knows how much you can deal with and how much you can take. And uh, God will not uh, put a burden on us that he will not sustain us through. And uh, he can protect us and get us through. The psalmist knew of God's protection. Once again, the psalmist, uh, look in Psalm 18. I just want to highlight several psalms here. And uh, the psalms of uh, chapter 18, Psalm 18 is one of my favorite psalms. And many people I've talked to have said that Psalm 18 is their favorite psalm. But in Psalm 18, in verse 18, says, uh, They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. And the protection of God. Uh, it, yes, the enemy may be strong. And yes, we may suffer loss. But it is God who stays us and stabilizes us in the midst of those trials. In Psalm 34, look at Psalm 34 in verse 19. Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. And I'm thankful tonight that every affliction I've had to face in life, I've been able to watch God deliver me out of them all. Every affliction I've seen, I've been with people uh, going through problems and difficulties, and it's amazing to see how God gets them through onto the other side. Amen. Psalm 37, Psalm 37 and verse 17 says, The arms of the wicked shall be broken. I like that. Amen. <laughs> but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. And uh, God, when you're on the Lord's side and God is on your side, uh, there is protection there for you no matter what the wicked may bring against you. Psalm 94, Psalm 94 in verse 22. Psalm 94, 22 says, But the Lord is my defense. We don't have to defend ourselves. The Lord fights the battle for us. 
You think of the battle of Armageddon. You think about the Lord returning. And you think of great uh, war that he'll rage with this, the nations of this world. We come with him, but we're not doing the battle. The Lord's doing the battle. The Lord is the, uh, what, the captain of the host. And he's the one that does the battle. And in Psalm 94 in verse 22, so that the Lord is my defense and my God is the rock, is the rock of my refuge. And so there is protections and there is safety as we rest in the presence of God. Then Psalm 118 in uh, verse 13, just another one to think about. In Psalm 118 and verse 13 says, thou hast... Uh, thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. And a righteous man will fall seven times, but will rise up again. Why is that? Because the Lord is our stay. He is our protector. He is the one who is with us. He is the one that delivers us. He is the one who helps us with all of our infirmities. And so God's watch care is based on his ability to protect us. And so certainly the psalmist knew and understood God's protection in his life. You know, once again, the Apostle Paul uh, encouraged the Thessalonian believers in this thing of trusting the Lord in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And uh, it's amazing how many times Paul would write encouraging believers in Christ uh, about dealing with God's ability to protect them and care for them. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul says, But finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil." Apostle Paul understood greatly encouraging the Thessalonians that, wait a minute, God is our stability. God is the one who strengthens us. God is the one who fights for us. God is the one who gets us through when everything seems to be falling apart. And so he protects us. Also, Paul experienced God's protection in Acts 23 uh, as he was about ready to be shipwrecked and his life was in danger, uh, God would protect him. Paul would remind Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, that is the Lord who watched out for him and protected him. And when no one else stood with Paul, the Lord was with him to protect him. And I want to encourage you tonight in reference to God's watch care, the problem is in front of you. There's always problems in front of you. But Christ is still with you, and he is still your means of protection as you go through the waters, and they will not overflow you because God is with you, and he is your protector. And then I see in our text verse that his power through us. It says in verse 2, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. And so... God's power working through us in the midst of such diverse and, and terrible situations. I thought of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Daniel chapter 3, let me tell you, that, that promise in Isaiah 43 too meant a lot to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 20, 
says that he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. And I'll tell you, things are going to get hot in this world that we live in, and persecution is going to be on the rise, and things are going to be difficult, and, and, and time, the devil's going to fight, and all kinds of things. But wait a minute. When you remember, when you're thrown into the furnace, it won't burn you. It says, and they're, they're, these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished, astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto the counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered, and said unto the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And so what is God, why does God allow us to go through these times of the fire and not be burned? Because it shows us and it reminds us that we can withstand the torments of men. Now, what can man do to us? If God be for us, who can stand against us? And yes, they were thrown into the fiery furnace, but I'm going to tell you the presence of God and the protection of God and the problem that was facing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not stop the power of God to be able to keep them unhurt in the midst of that furnace. And I just want you to know that you can withstand the torments of man, uh, the difficulties and the attacks that may come and things you need to go through. There is still power from God that is sufficient that enable you to be strong enough to face the problem and get through to the other side. So I thought about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, I thought about Job. And uh, Job, you can't think about trials without thinking about Job. Whenever I feel bad, I read Job, amen. And Job chapter 1 in verse 9 says, then Satan answered the Lord and said, doth Job fear God for naught? You know, people all over the years I've had people say, well, you know, I've had people just accuse me of things falsely. Uh, well, certainly Job was accused falsely. Satan's accusing Job of serving the Lord because he wanted God's blessings or he had experienced God's blessings. In verse uh, 10, it says, has not uh, hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Even Satan's smart enough to know that with man's has what man has is comes from the blessings of God. But put forth, here's what Satan says, but put forth thy hand now. And touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the sword, Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all thee hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. You know, it's amazing that Satan brought this attack on Job because of the fact that Job loved the Lord and he served the Lord. And God allowed him to attack everything that Job had, but he said, you can't touch Job. In chapter 2 of Job, in verse 20, oh, where am I here? I'm in the wrong chapter. Chapter uh, 2 of Job, in verse 3, I'm sorry, says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, 
one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with all sore boils from the sole of his feet unto his crown. You know, when the devil comes attacking and he takes everything that we own, everything we have physically, everything that we enjoy, and he starts taking our health away from us, what's going to be your response then? Are you going to be like Job and still worship the Lord and not accuse God falsely? Or are you going to curse God? So why would God allow Job to go through this? Because it shows that you can withstand the attack of Satan. And Job was attacked uh, uh, over and over again by Satan, and God allowed it to take place just to prove that the power of God that's in the believer is enough to stand withstand the attack of Satan himself. Satan cannot destroy you completely. Satan may take some things away from you. He might cause you to suffer, but I can tell you this right now. There is power with God to overcome all the attacks of Satan. And we know the outcome as you study the book of Job. At the end of Job's life, he had twice as much as he began with. Why did that happen? Because of the fact you can withstand the attack of Satan. When you go past through the waters, when the rivers overflow you, I will be with you. Uh, they cannot harm you. I'll protect you. And the power of God is released in a, in a person's life. And so I thought about Job. I thought about Hosea. Now, if you want to get a little book there, you can go to Daniel, and the next book over is the book of Hosea. A minor prophets begin with Hosea. Hosea, Joel, Amos. I always want to memorize where the books of the Bible was. That's how I did it. And just Hosea begins the minor prophets section in your Bible. But the interesting thing is in the book of Hosea, God commands Hosea in chapter 1 and verse 2, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said unto Hosea, Go take unto thee a wife of the whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom departing from the Lord. And then in chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, Yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord towards the children of Israel, who looked to other gods and loved flagons of wine. So I bought her to, um, bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver, for a homer of barley and a half homer of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot. And thou shalt not be for another man, so will I also be with thee. And so uh, the story, as you read through the book of Hosea, is that God commands Hosea to marry a harlot that would be unfaithful to him. And God requires of that because of the fact that Israel was unfaithful to their God. 
And God wanted to use the prophet Hosea to illustrate to Israel how God felt about his people, Israel rebelling against him. So what could we learn from that? The power of God working through us. That Hosea learned that to endure the unfaithfulness of others. And listen, when, when it seems like nothing is solid, when it seems like all abandon you, when it seems like there is no place to turn, when there seems like there is no hope, uh, wait a minute, if Hosea could marry a harlot to experience what God felt when his people were unfaithful to him, God's grace was sufficient and God can help us to be faithful when no one else is faithful. Over the years, I've had people say, well, you know, I just, you know, so-and-so's not in church anymore. I mean, I guess people aren't coming to church. I guess I won't go. I don't think I'm going to come to church. Why? You, you can't deal with the unfaithfulness of people? I watched marriages, and, and people have problems in their marriages, and, and right away they talk about the unfaithfulness of one the mate that may be in the marriage. I think God can deal with that, and I think these things can be made right, but wait a minute, do you understand what God feels? Do you understand that the unfaithfulness that we have towards our God hurts God just like the harlot hurt Hosea? Just like unfaithfulness and commitment to each other in our families. Have children that go astray. Children that get away from the Lord. And you say, boy, it just breaks my heart and hurts my heart. You realize how much God hurts and aches when we are unfaithful to him? See, the power of God deals with the fact that, wait a minute, when you go through these different situations, you won't be burned you won't be destroyed because God is strong enough to help us withstand the torments of men and withstand the attack of Satan and be able to deal with the unfaithfulness of others. It's because of God's power that is in us. And then I thought of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. Paul says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us which are saved, it is the power of God. And I thought about the power of the Apostle Paul to be able to overcome negativism towards, the, towards salvation. He said, I understand the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. It's amazing. I was witnessing to a fellow yesterday. And as I was talking to him, I mean, they just it's amazing how Satan clutters the mind. It is amazing just over, and I've been doing this for years, and I'm still sitting in amazement that, that the mind is so cluttered that they go off on so many rabbit trails that you're trying to present to them the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they have no connection, no concern whatsoever about the salvation that they need. I don't know about you. I can get to the point and say, well, I mean, you know, this just doesn't work. Ain't no sense of me going out and talking to anybody. Well, wait a minute. There is power of God to overcome those types of feelings of negativism towards salvation because of the fact we know that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them. But to us that are saved, it is the power of God. And I want to encourage you that God's watch care in your life enables you to deal with the torments of men and overcome the attack of Satan 
endure the unfaithfulness of others, and to be able to overcome the negativism that's towards salvation that's in Christ, in Christ alone. And so we can go on. Why? Because the fire will not burn you, neither shall the flame kindle itself upon you. God's watch care. Whatever you're going through, I don't know what it is you're going through. I know some things that people are going through, but I want you to know that tonight, that when you do go through whatever it is, the waters aren't going to drown you. The trial is not going to destroy you. Through the trial and through the difficulty, facing the problem reassures us of the presence of God and the protection of God and the power of God in spite of the, the waters that are coming against us. And God just wanted to encourage Israel that they were his people. I love what verse 41 says. I thought about developing a message just off of verse 41. It says, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee. He's reminding Israel he was their creator. And I want to remind you, God created you in his image. It says, O Jacob, and I formed thee, O Israel. That speaks to me not only of God being my creator, but God is the planner for my life. He says, I have a plan for you. I formed you. You are what I desired. And then fear not, for I have redeemed you. And the reality is, it is God who has delivered us from the bondage of our sins and given us eternal life so we can be assured of the fact that he says, I have called thee by thy name, Thou art mine. That's the possession of God. No wonder, no wonder when you understand the creativity of God, the plan of God, the redemption of God, uh, the ownership of God in our life, when thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. Why would he be with us? Because of all that he is in his relationship with us. Don't fear the problem. Don't fear the opposition. Don't fear the world. Uh, put your hope in God and realize that he is with you. What trial it is that you're going through, God's about ready to deliver you from it. The problem you're about ready to face, God's going to deal with it and get you through. He's going to draw you closer to him. He's going to mold you into his image. He's going to strengthen you for his glory. And I'm going to tell you, when you get out on the other side, you'll be like Paul. You'll be like uh, what? Timothy, you'll be like Isaiah, you'll be like Hosea, you'll be like Job, and be able to testify of the power of God that released you from those struggles in life. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you so much for your watch care over us. Uh, life is hard sometimes, and uh, things are discouraging many, many times. But God, we're thankful that none of these things destroy us. Every one of these things draws us closer to you. And Lord, because that we are yours, we're your children. We're your people. God, you have promised that you would be with us. You would protect us. God, you would strengthen us. And so, Lord, help us get through the trial. And Lord, we'll rejoice in God's watch care over us. I'm thankful, Lord, that you said, literally, you said, cast all your care on you. Why? Because you care for us.
And I'm thankful, Lord, that you care for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's